the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. Well, we have made it to March. Today is Monday, March 1st. It is The John DePietro Show, weekdays, 11 to 2. Folks, yesterday... Like many of you, it was tremendous to see President Trump back in the spotlight, uh, getting a chance to, you know, first time out, hasn't been out in a while. First real lengthy speech. I think he hit on some uh, some good points. It's very important for him to still have the mantle, which he does. Um, And folks, we have a long way to go, like many of you. And I don't know if President Trump is, in fact, we don't know. Maybe he doesn't know whether or not he's actually going to run again and seek a second term in uh, 2024. If he does not, uh, he is without question. He is still the most popular. It is still the Trump party. It is uh, it is a different party. It's a party that fights back. It is a party many times, the Republican Party, you know, and you saw it different times. In 2008 with John McCain, the real goal was just to lose gracefully. In 1996, with Senator Bob Dole, let's face it, that was the point of that against Bill Clinton was you lose gracefully. And too many times, the Rhode Island Republican Party, it's the old party, whether, you know, with John Chafee and that whole mode, mold, I should say, it was, um, is basically the model is you just, you lose gracefully. It's like being the Washington generals to the Harlem Globetrotters. Trump is a fighter. Trump wants fighter fighters. Trump's Trump, President Trump brought a lot of people into the party. You have a lot of disgruntled Democrats. And I also want people to realize, and this is not told enough, you have a lot of people that maybe you grew up a Democrat and you've always been a Democrat and your parents voted Democrat and your grandparents did. But as you are now, you know, you're an adult, maybe you're listening right now and you suddenly realize that you don't want to go march at a Black Lives Matter rally and you don't have anything in common with the people that march around screaming defund the police and you don't believe in a lot of these socialist progressive policies and then you're saying you know what maybe maybe i am maybe i will vote republican maybe i do have more more values that that uh you know are are similar to those that are running in the republican party with the republican party and where this is important at a crossroads is folks and you see this locally you have some people they're more than content to have it's like a club and they want to think of themselves as like the country club republicans and they don't want new people into the club they don't want outsiders they're more than content and there's a lot of the locals they're more than content to just lose gracefully they go through it and they get to go to the convention and they're in the mode of you know the old uh the late senator john chafee who was the governor and then he was the senator and then link chafee was you know think of that link chafee 2006 was in the senate as a republican now i mean there's no way does the party want to go back to that that is someone has no fight at all uh doesn't arouse any type of enthusiasm the republican party has a chance to to break out and not just be that to be a club to just be the these people that they're they're living in the past they they think that uh you know life is still don draper and the country club and and then more than half you know all those people that's the past it's 2021 you got to live in the in the present and the present means there's a lot of people that are more you know blue collar jobs and they're not on board with black lives matter and they are not on board with kamala harris and they're not on board with a lot of these progressive policies like AOC and defund the police and Elizabeth Warren. And there should be a home for them in the Republican Party. And President Trump says, you have a home in my party. But especially locally, the uh, re- the Republican Party, you have this in both Mass and Rhode Island, really in the Northeast, where the Republican Party, both parties, by the way, are at a crossroads. The Democrat Party, now they're in a battle uh, against the progressives. Because obviously Biden isn't really fully part of that. I mean, he is somewhat. But then you have the Republicans that have to decide. Do you want to just be the party that loses gracefully? Or do you want to be the party that wins? The party that shapes uh, the narrative. The party that 
makes a difference. That's what they have to decide. So I think President Trump being on it, we don't know what's going to happen. I think the governor of Florida is very popular. Uh, there's a lot of um, the future looks very bright, but it was great to see him. All right, stay tuned. We have a lot of show ahead. It's Monday. It's March 1st. It is one. It's John DePietro. A lot more ahead on the John DePietro show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers and won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession. MEGA Professionals, call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401 401- 321-2799 that's 401-321-2799 or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com Mega truck and trailer repair call them today commercial trailers diesel equipment serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts 508-336-2110 508-336-2110 for Mega 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 truck and trailer repair as i said commercial trailers diesel equipment free estimates fhwa inspections and rhode island state inspection station trailer pickup and delivery 24-hour mobile service serving rhode island and massachusetts it's mega truck and trailer repair call them today 508-336-2110 24-hour mobile service and also abs repairs brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, mega truck and trailer repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110. It's mega truck and trailer repair. You're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It is time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he is the managing editor, OceanStateCurrent.com. It's Justin Katz. And Justin, I'd like to start off. It was one year ago on March 1st when, in fact, the first coronavirus case was confirmed, excuse me, in Rhode Island. And uh, we were then told they needed to uh, slow the curve, cut the curve, whatever it was. And now, a year later, as we reflect back, how do you think the state handled this uh, this actually ongoing pandemic? Well, we we didn't flatten the curve. <laughs> no, flatten. <laughs> In it, fact, right. we had we had multiple curves. Uh, I th- frankly, I, I think. Uh, in the long run, we'll look back and, and say, and, and, and remark on how terribly we, we responded. Um, it's not just Rhode Island, although Rhode Island, Governor Raimondo certainly was one of the leaders in the country in shutting things down. And uh, I mean, she, we do have to give her some credit for resisting the all-in, closed down the schools for a year approach that some yes. areas have gone. Um, she does get credit for that, but, but overall, just the entire approach from the beginning uh, to the point where, I mean, we're almost like an abused community now where where I've spoken with some infectious disease doctors who are deliberately starting to 
to try to psychologically prepare people for the idea that they might be able to go outside in the future and uh, behave normally. I mean, we've been so beaten into this place where we're just willing to give over our, our rights and fear you know, death out there. And I mean, if you think back to when it began, that's what it was. I mean, it was the daily countdown one case, two cases, 10 cases, now, you know, cases being anybody who tested positive, whether or not they had any symptoms whatsoever, and then the death count, and then, you know, just rhetoric about how there's death outside. I mean, it was just, it was just over the top. And I, I think the bl- there's a lot of blame to go for that. And I, hopefully, though, we're with the vaccine and, and with, frankly, I think we're, we're past herd immunity. Uh, so with the d- disease winding down hopefully people will get back sooner than later to to feeling like they can brave the supermarket without a mask you know justin those are excellent points it also it started with um you know the people screaming about the kids that went on spring break uh down in florida and as we know you know none of those kids ended up in the hospital i find it interesting and i just kind of thought of it but we've heard a lot from the left about screaming about the right and uh, Trump supporters and conspiracy theories. However, I have noticed there's never any accountability or pushback on the left that I don't know if I'm going to say they traffic in conspiracy theories, but definitely. And I think you'll understand what I mean and agree with me. But in misinformation, such as a local uh, UConn professor in journalism that you and I see on Twitter, when you had all those kids down at the Super Bowl, and there was a big party afterwards, and they showed all these like young college kids outside having a good time because Tampa Bay and Brady had just won the Super Bowl. Uh, these local media people, obviously, you know, left progressives, were saying, "Oh, you know, let's see how those kids like it when they're on a ventilator in two weeks." And the, my point is, they, they were one hundred percent wrong. There was no outbreak from the Super Bowl. There was another local reporter who was saying, "Remember, kids, if you don't like the mask, you're gonna hate the ventilator." My point is, as we we know, none of those kids ended up on a ventilator. These are members of the media and sometimes a journalist and professor preaching this. So, Justin, as much as, you know, we hear a lot now about conspiracy theories and the right and the voting, they have no problem and there's no accountability on false information that they put out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you want to talk conspiracy, talk about the uh, the public health officials deliberately lying about the effectiveness of masks because they wanted people to not go out and buy them. I mean, that was, that's, that's the conspiracy yes. <laughs> I mean, outright, but that's acceptable because they like the goal. And that, that same uh, journalism professor you're talking about, there was an instance in Canada early on, and this, this is just such a stark example in which there was a death from COVID related to a church gathering. And he was, you can't go to church, see this person died. But if you read the story, it was, they actually had a buffet party after the, after the church service. That's when the person caught it. And that's when the, they, they, they caught the disease and died. I mean, that kind of thing. And in Rhode Island, one of the big things early on was uh, St. Patrick's day in Newport. Oh, those, those, kids are going to kill people. My grandmother's going to yes. die. There were stories yep. about you know, personal interest anecdotes about women who were afraid to go to the grocery store to get their nest their, their, or the CVS to get their medicine because of those reckless kids. I mean, to the extent those fears were true, they were overblown. And we, we certainly learned throughout this that our, at least in the Northeast, our, our leadership and our news media are, are plainly not the adults in the room. They're just, they just go along with, with whatever the, you know, the demand is, whatever panic is necessary, whatever narrative is necessary. And that's, that's what we saw. Folks, we're speaking with Justin Katz. Our segment is politics this week. You know what else, Justin, is <clears throat> to the amount of uh, members of the media, again, uh, the left, definitely even some elected officials, because President Trump wanted the children back in school. And by the way, President Trump was right on. We did have a vaccine for the end of the year. And it was important. Schools are not super spreaders. But because he said, get the kids back in school, think of what you and I watched August, September, October, uh, and these people going along with this completely false narrative that the schools were super spreaders and you know, the teachers making out the wills and, you know, my God, and these kids and, you know, one death is too much. And as we, as we know now, we, you know, we know all of that was wrong. All of it was proven wrong. And again, no accountability. So much of that narrative, Justin Katz, seemed to be pushed simply because President Trump had said he wanted the kids back in school. 
Yeah, well, I mean, that goes right back to uh, hydrochloroquine and, and any kind of treatment or any kind of discussion of, of um, the, the effects of the disease or the treatment or how bad it might be, that you were not allowed to have an adult conversation about it because President Trump was going to, was understating it because he knew it would hurt him in the election, that sort of thing. Uh, and but of course, when it comes to the schools, one of the big things to remember is a lot of the anti-Trump rhetoric also conveniently served special interests on the left, like the teachers unions, yep. where they, they, you know, they saw an opportunity. They rallied their ideological allies in an anti-Trump push in order to affect a, a policy that essentially has, has given their members a, a huge break in the past year. And so I think the marriage of those two things combined with the, just the journalism's irresponsibility recently uh, pushed, pushed things over the top. You know what else? Another point I want to mention is the fact that <clears throat> I have a, a very good friend of mine who's a doctor. And from the very outset of this, he was saying, you know, listen, but when what we're seeing, this is it's the people that are dying. Mostly they're in their 80s. They're in their 90s, even older. Uh, this is an older person's disease. I go back to me being at the COVID briefings and Dr. Scott, Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott, talking about equity. and Everyone must be treated the same. And even then. I was trying to argue, listen, you know, th this is really affects older people. And why are you shutting down college uh, activities and bars and and things like that? It's it's really it's it affects the older people or just certain communities. You know, as we saw, Providence Central Falls had it much worse than uh, treating Block Island and Jamestown the same. Well, Justin, now fast forward the vaccine. Look at how much the covid numbers have absolutely plummeted like a rock because the first people they started giving them to were the people in the nursing homes, people in their 90s, people in their 80s. It's working their way down. Suddenly the deaths are completely way down, if not even more than cut in half, simply because it's what President Trump had said from the beginning. The, the cure can't be worse than the disease. And it was treated as this equity thing of everyone is the same and no one must be treated differently. And Justin Katz, we have learned, especially with covid that, that was that was just flat out wrong to try to treat someone 25 the same way you would treat someone 95. That was wrong. They're not of the same risk. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've been arguing all along. We the the entire approach should have been once once we identified, you know, the early stories were scary. There's, you know, the one guy from a local guy who came back from a trip in Italy and caught it. He had underlying conditions. But at the time, we really didn't know. We were hearing from China. They were welding people's doors shut and that kind of yes. thing. So it was a scary time, granted. But it, within a month or two, it was pretty clear that to the extent the death rate was worse than the flu, which was the big calling card at the time, it was for older folks. And so if, if you're sitting there as somebody with some decision-making power in the government saying, okay, we can shut down our entire economy and cause billions of dollars of damage and, and ramp up you know, deaths by suicide and drug overdoses and, and harm kids' education, or we could invest some, some resources in protecting people who are actually vulnerable. I think the, the latter was even even in, in the spring was pretty clearly the way to go but you know they we i think we're in the in the history books are gonna they're gonna study how we let the the public health officials sort of take control and gave them carte blanche to say all right you're in charge what do you do and of course when you give the experts like fauci uh you know the power to be the, the decision makers are going to say, oh, all right, well, we'll do everything. We'll, we'll try to stop every single death. Here's what we have to do. And they, whether they prove right or wrong, uh, that, that's really not a, you, you can't make decisions that way. I think that's going to be one of the long-term consequences. But again, it was in so many people's political interests. I mean, you could, you could make a very strong case that the Democrats' victories in, in November were COVID related. And so the political interests all pointed toward that sort of misinformation and, and not and choosing the wrong way. I mean, if you told me in March or April that they were going to manage to extend the lockdowns through the election, I would have said, nah, that's that's way too long. Americans will never stand for that. But they managed it. Yeah. With the help of the media. Folks, yeah. quick break. A lot more. Our segment is Politics This Week. Justin Katz, Managing Editor, OceansToCurrent.com, right here on The John DePietro Show. The heating season is here. Folks, you need to call J.K.L. Engineering today. 
JKL 401-351-7600. Let JKL Engineering design and install a natural gas, high-efficiency carrier infinity system. The energy-efficient, quiet, more affordable than you think. If you think no gas, hey, guess what? No problem. Let JKL Engineering design and install a high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market, and they also do new installation and replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. JKL is Carry Factory authorized dealer, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, for over 50 years, JKL's reputation second to none, especially for technical expertise, customer satisfaction. JKL is an approved national grid BPI installer. JKL is also a Navian certified factory dealer called JKL system replacement oil to gas or for a heat pump. Remember, estimates are free. Financing is available. They're licensed in both Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Call JKL Engineering right now, residential or commercial at 401-351-7600. JKL, they'll do it right the first time. Now call them. You don't want to get stuck with an inefficient heating system. What if it starts to get really cold? Call JKL right now. Free quote, free estimate. Estimates are free. Financing is available. 401-351-7600. Rhode Island, Massachusetts. It's JKL Engineering. 401-351-7600. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. We're in an accident. Someone hits your vehicle. It's damaged in some way. Pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Folks, as you're riding along, you just never know. You could be dealing with a drunk driver, someone not paying attention. How about the people texting and driving? If you ever damage your vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. Several reasons. One, they'll handle everything for you. Two, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. And three, they'll make your car. It'll look like it just rolled out of the showroom. West Fountain Auto Body. Call them 401-272-3340. Did someone damage your vehicle? Whether it's a small fender bender or nearly total vehicle, West Fountain will restore your vehicle, get it back on the road. Call them today, 401-272-3340. And remember, if you're having an accident... First thing you want to do, call the police, fill out a police report. If the tow truck shows up, tell them, let's get this vehicle over to West Fountain, 401-272-3340. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, OceanStateCurrent.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Justin, as we speak, the uh, it would seem, unless there's some curveball coming that we don't know about but it would seem that governor Raimondo, governor rhode island governor gina Raimondo, is in her final hours and days now as the governor of rhode island now it's interesting because she will get the full senate confirmation we believe uh to become commerce secretary for the biden administration when you think about this her last full time in front of the media justin was in fact december 22nd was the last time governor Raimondo. um I, I maintain if you're her and you have political ambition, she is absolutely doing the right thing by jumping off. Probably want to do it sooner, but look at what's going on in New York with Cuomo. Look what's going on. Some of the other popular governors around the country, even Governor Baker. But um, how do you think what, – what do you think the future bodes for Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo should she want to seek office, higher office in Rhode Island? Now, the only thing left – granted, she's going to be Commerce Secretary – would be if she were going to go for, at some point in the future, one of the two uh, Senate seats that we have. I can't see her doing anything else. But what do you think of just about her political future? Well, I, I think a lot of that's going to, 
a lot of that is kind of in the murk of the future where we don't know what how the Biden administration is going to fare. I mean, I suspect they're going to fare poorly, but we don't know how the public will respond to them. Uh, right. A lot could happen in that regard. I, I think her her future hinges on a lot of that. Also, some of the unknowns. I mean, it, you know, if, if Governor McKee comes in and and kind of addresses all the problems in a rational way and gets us back on a secure footing, people might not harbor any uh, bitterness, even as things fall apart from Rwanda's doing. If that doesn't happen, they'll have much more uh, bitterness toward her. I don't know. I it'll be interesting to watch. It depends how you know just how the economy does nationally. I don't expect it's going to do very well. And she may do. You know, it's not unknown once people get into federal government like that to where they they move for a while and then run from another place. So that's another possibility as well. You know what's interesting, Justin? And again, it's um with, with uh, Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo. She to me. She changed the dynamic of that office and really politics of Rhode Island as far as the amount of PR positions that went into all these different agencies greatly went up, as Kathy Gregg has written about uh, under Governor Mundo. And not only that, a story that was lost with the whole cool and warmer debacle. Uh, a lot of people just write it off as it was, you know, it was a mistake with the tourism and the slogan and so forth. But was kind of missed about that was the woman that was put in charge of it. Her real job was she had been a fundraiser for John Kerry. So kind of an unknown below the surface. Again, sometimes it's tough to get some of these documents, but the whole reason she was hired was really not to oversee the rollout of the the tourism and the campaign slogan. It was really think about that. Someone who was a professional fundraiser at a high level. John Kerry was the 2004 nominee for president was really hired in a marketing job, but her real goal was then going to be to be a fundraiser. The other thing that also came out that a lot of the media skip over was the in the rollout of Cooler and Warmer, there was all this money played, paid to these um, to this big New York PR firm. And it was under the guise that they were going to be doing this big rollout for the state. But as we've since learned, and we continue to see it, their real role was their client was not the state of Rhode Island. Their client was the governor of the state of Rhode Island. And that's one of the big reasons, you know, you'd see these articles in the Wall Street Journal, even just two weeks ago in the New York Times that then Rahm Emanuel mentioned on ABC's This Week. I think Governor Raimondo, her, maybe her greatest achievement was understanding, and, and I'm not saying this is a positive thing, but just for her personally, in the PR campaign of getting herself out there and all these national pieces. And you remember, Justin, she was listed as one of the top 50 leaders in the world at one point and was going to go to Davios. Raimondo always had her sets sight on, on the national stage. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you make some great points there. I, I do wonder if I, we'll see, and I hope not, but we'll see if she actually changed politics or if it was just a just a unique to her kind of thing. I mean, the way yeah. I look at it is she she came in like a, a t top executive at a company sometimes comes into the company, makes everything about them, about their career so that they can move on, use that as a a springboard to the next big gig. That's what she did. She brought that sort of selfish corporate mentality to the office of governor. And I mean, we're seeing it now with her abandoning the state at a critical point, disappearing for a couple months, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, that's really about that. And we, we saw it pretty quickly, as I've, I've mentioned again and again, one of the more striking things to me early on was how the Commerce Department just essentially became a, a PR wing for Governor Raimondo in, in their op-eds and stuff. It was almost Stefan Pryor was brought in to be a Raimondo booster. Uh, and just so just like those sort of corporate prima donnas, what you get is anything, any benefit to the company or the state in this case is really just incidental. If it benefits the, the people, that's great. But the real goal is to benefit the governor. That's who's being hired. That's who's hiring firms. That's who's giving out money. That's the star that everybody wants to tie themselves to. And I, I, I think that's what we've seen. And, and there is a a reasonable chance that it was just Raimondo. Uh, somebody else may try to follow that same pattern. Um, they will see whether they have some success now that you know people in the game in Rhode Island were not bowled over by her. So they they know what what was going on, and a lot of them aren't going to like it 
uh, they're not, they don't like that idea, partly because it, it ruffles their feathers and they get used and then left, as we've discussed with the news media recently. Raymond was all about her friends in the news media. And, and when it comes down to it during a crucial time, what, what do they get? A couple of the, her preferred journalists get a, an interview in a parking lot. Uh, so, I mean, that's I, I don't know that we'll see this again and again, although the PR thing is, is definitely beyond Raimondo. We see this with, you know, more and more with Cicilline and others hiring journalists to be on their PR firms, using a lot of public money to Seth Magaziner using his office to send out press releases that are clearly campaign related. That I think is, is a new normal, but we'll see how, how much the rest of it continues to be the case. Folks, our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at OceanStateCurrent.com. Justin, something else that occurred to me is she also uh, recognized the power of Twitter. And what a lot of people don't realize is the governor, sometimes she would talk directly to a member of the media and very much of like, you know, we're, we're off the record here. You know, you're not going to quote me. I'm on background. You're going to just say Ramundo sources. But she would tell a certain reporters now, very small number, but I need you to put out on Twitter, which goes out instantly, not for the six o'clock news, not for the 11, that uh, the governor, just as an example, I really like my job here and I'm not just going to take something, anything in the Biden administration. And boom, there would be on Twitter. Uh, Sources close to the governor say she really enjoys the job of being governor. She's not just going to take anything. So that would go like direct pipeline out there when in reality, behind the scenes, this was like the message to the Biden people was like, was from what I was told was just anything that opens up like she, she, I'll give her credit. She knew the ship was going down with all the governors, all the lockdown. You can see her popularity now is I think half of what it was last spring. Um, But the ability to manipulate the local press to get out the message that she wanted and needed and was not afraid she would talk to people directly. Like suddenly there's the governor on the other end of the phone telling you, I need you to put this out like right now on your Twitter account. And boom, there it would. And, and those tweets would, would many times it would shape the news and other people would then just, as you know, repeat it, retweet it, excuse me, which is a way of then just sharing the story. And, um, she uh, I think that's an untold story of her manipulation of the local media, knowing how to do that and um, and making sure her narrative was out there. And, and I'll give her credit. She she was she was successful with it and understood also this wasn't wasn't going to be a way to, for instance, use Facebook or wait till the next day. Or, you know, we used to see at one point Channel 10 said, you know, uh, connect to the Capitol. We have a an exclusive once a week with the governor, uh, you know, then channel 12 picked it up with them. You know, every Tuesday, Kim Kalunian speaks exclusively. She was, she was very good. Uh, governor Mundo, at making the media feel that they were special and they had something of value and then running with that. And then when you do that, you know, you stand a pretty good chance of manipulating how the story is going to come out. So oh, any so, other final thoughts on that? Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, the two points I add to that are she also, as as you pointed out from time to time, especially on Twitter, you know, sent a gave a phone call to a journalist who who had a bad day. You know, basically, oh, I, yeah. I saw that tweet. Oh, I, stay strong, gal. You know that Good kind point. of thing. Uh, so that, she also used that leverage uh, and leveraged the identity politics of it. But I think there was a a stick side to the whole thing, and I I think that'd probably be harder to find. Where I mean, I noticed very early on when she came in, it used to be that I could get answers from just about any any high level Rhode Island official, you know, Hey, what's up with this tax rate? You know, that kind of thing. And Oh, right. oh that's doing this instantly. When she came in, the, the messages came back. I have to go through the official channels. Oh and yeah. So that meant she was cracking down. So it wasn't just that she was friendly with the local press. If you didn't, if you didn't treat her like the royalty she wanted to be, you couldn't get the answers you wanted. Um, right. And so that's, that's the other side of it. You couldn't be out on the outs with her. Uh, and I, I think that story may come out in, in, you know, in local press lore when she can no longer do that to people. But uh, I, I think that's an untold part we haven't seen it a lot of. One final thought that I also think she's kind of gotten a free pass on was her 
wanting this gender war politics. This is maybe even a discussion for another time, but the uh, the, the the gender uh, just narrative that she was on, and the fact that she was even willing to compromise the Rhode Island State Police. That Colonel Anna Sumco, she wanted to have. We're going to have a woman at the head of the state police. That appointment was a disaster. It demoralized. It couldn't last any longer. She had to then bring in Jim Manny. That was all done at the expense of for the election. I want to have a woman as the head of the Rhode Island State Police, and um, and it caused a lot of damage within the ranks. It caused a lot of different problems. That woman was clearly not up to the job. That was the epitome of the Peter Principle. And um, and she was I, I should also demonstrate if she was willing to do that with the state police, she wasn't going to hesitate to do that with some of the other departments. Folks, we're going to take a, a quick break. A lot more. Justin Katz, managing editor at OceanStateCurrent.com right here on The John DePietro Show. While the pandemic rages on, you need to stay healthy. You need to take care of your health. You need to stop it and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant. Call Marie. I call her the Queen of Health, 401-305-3585. You've seen her store. It's right in that old white church. It's My Health, because, folks, it's about your health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Shop local. Stop it and see Marie. What do we have? Well, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies, who understand quality, integrity, local products like the incredible acai berry. She also has honey, maple syrup. Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant, has over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas. The service is the best plus hemp and CBD products, plus massage therapy, reflexology, Pilates. Folks, stop it and see her. It's my health because it's about your health and staying healthy and children's vitamins. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 401-305-3585. Stop in and see Marie and It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant, Because remember, it's your health. Stop it and see Marie at It's My Health. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401 321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. This winter, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Make Henry Oil. Make the switch. Make Henry Oil your reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery company. 401 521-0200. Residential, commercial, fuel oil delivery, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. It's Henry Oil, serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Remember, with Henry Oil, automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. Check out their website, henryoil.com, or call them today, 401 401- Five two one zero two hundred. Henry Oil. Since 1947, they have a great family history, and they are just terrific. You can depend on Carmine and Lori and the great folks at Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Check them out online at henryoil.com. Residential and commercial fuel oil delivery, service contracts, budget plans, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery, serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. It's Henry Oil. Call them 401-521-0200. This winter, I'm asking you to switch to Henry Oil online at henryoil.com. You're listening to the John DePedro Show. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at OceanStateCurrent.com. Well, Justin, uh, this is so unusual, an election in Rhode Island in March, all has to do with bond issues. 
Uh, I'm going to go on a limb. They're all going to pass. I don't have faith in our election system. I think one of the more disturbing stories is that the the Rhode Island, the uh, Providence Chamber of Commerce, led by Lori White, is in favor of all of them. And these are all, by the way, going to union. These are all union jobs. This isn't even private sector. The private sector can't even go for these jobs. Uh, this is for projects that because of the way they bid out, if it's a $50 million project at URI, if you put it out to the private sector so they could bid on it, it would probably come in somewhere around 40, 45. But, um, but what is the thoughts of um, as, as far as the, Rhode, uh, the uh, Rhode Island Center for Freedom and Prosperity regarding all these bond issues? Right, well, putting on my hat as the research director for the center, I, hmm. the, um, we, we were calling, asking people, as you say, it's, it's unlikely, it's, a, it's an uphill battle, but we're suggesting people just vote no across the board. Uh, because these are these are terrible. I mean, some of the some of the you know you have to maintain your infrastructure. Okay, fine, and we understand that. But especially during this time of economic downturn, uh, it, it's just not the thing to do. And two key points, I think, uh, to remember: some of them are actually uh, more policy, you know, grants to arts folks and that kind of thing. They're not, they're, they're really programs. They're not capital expenses that you would normally borrow for. And that's, that's a, a problem. I, that shouldn't be what these bonds are for. It's really just a way to hide, hide deficits that the state has and give pay off constituencies. The other thing to notice is the huge interest on these things. I mean, I think it's 400 million in bonds and around 250 million in interest. So you're talking, it's, it's around 60% of an interest we're going to be paying on these, which keep in mind, bonds are supposed to be low interest because they're guaranteed. You're not, you're, you're not, you're really not risking anything when you buy bonds. You're essentially letting somebody use your money and they're borrowing it and giving it back to you at interest. There's very little risk. So there should be very little reward for that. And, but it's the estimates that the state is using are, are ridiculous to the point where if you paid for some of these, if you paid for, you know, the, the university, infrastructure bond outright found a few some 60 million bucks or whatever in the in the uh in the budget you would save on interest enough to pay for the other bonds and so people should could you know the, the secretary of state sent out that that book promoting you know the, the various bond issues and they saying they were informing people if you look at the numbers they're estimating for in interest you'll see if the state would just find the money that is, tighten their belts a little bit and find the money to do something they think is necessary. They could pay for the other things just in the savings of interest, and they wouldn't even have to tighten their belts for those, for, for the other, other bonds that are on the, on the ballot. That just goes to show that we're way out on a, a, lim, a line here. Rhode Island already has some of the highest borrowing costs and some of the highest debt to GDP, GDP and per capita expenses. You're talking thousands and thousands of dollars per family. Uh, at, at this point, these things always pass and that's why they do them, but it's, eventually it's gonna come back to bite us. Yeah, this is to me, it's a gift uh, to the union and so forth. Look at Seth Magazine, a general treasurer, he came out in favor of it. And who did he, he recently just hired George and his daughter. <laughs> to work on his, his campaign for his office because he's going to run for governor. And Gorbia, this is just a way that just like throwing the money. Let's talk about the new incoming governor, uh, Dan McKee, lieutenant governor, who should, unless something changes, should be uh, governor at some point this week. Justin, I'll give him credit. Last Thursday, he came out, he led the briefing. I think he's going to enjoy uh, a, a little bit of a honeymoon. He's got a different demeanor. He's obviously a very serious guy. He's not a kid. He's not a young political animal has a completely different disposition than uh, Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo. Uh, just your thoughts. I thought Thursday, if this is a sense of how it's going to be, seems like a tries, you know, seems earnest, um, sincere, you know, doesn't try to seemingly use a lot of spin. But uh, what were your just initial thoughts on him coming into the job? Well, I, I was glad to see Raimondo starting to, you know, executive order that he he's really in charge of the budget at this point. Um according to the executive order. I'm, I'm glad to see that she at least had that kind of foresight to start bringing him in a little bit. I think, you know, I, th I think we'll, my expectation is we'll, we'll, we'll notice the difference pretty quickly. Um, and partly for some of the reasons we were talking about earlier with just Raimondo's obvious, obvious uh, careerism. I think that was the, the main focus of her administration and it showed. Whereas I think, especially among the mayors in Rhode Island, uh, you know, the, the homegrown politicians who've been here their entire lives and, and don't appear to have any, I mean, he may one day, who knows, run for Congress or Senate or something, but it's not, you don't look at him and say, that guy's running for Senate. 
Uh, and I, I think that's going to be a big difference in the way he operates and the way things get done. And his relationships with the mayors will, will bear that out and you know, keep his, his eyes focused on Rhode Island. Uh, the one thing that does kind of worry me, uh, it, mostly evident in, in his relationship with the teachers unions, is here's a guy who spearheaded mayoral academies, a type of charter school in Rhode yep. Island, and has been seemed to be very conciliatory to the unions to the point of saying teachers ought to get the vaccine. Uh, at the head of the line that right. that i mean he's he's up for part of the problem is he's up for re-election pretty quickly especially when you consider that a big part of his re-election is going to be the primary and not the general election correct and so uh, the thing that worries me is he's going to have to make a lot of promises to get past that the kind of the progressive slash union uh pummeling block that or gauntlet that he's going to have to run and i i just hope he doesn't he doesn't go too far trying to keep that constituency in order to, to get his first elected term as governor uh, after he finishes out Raimondo's term. Are you hearing anything on who he may select as his lieutenant governor? I've heard that, and I think I mentioned this, but last, not this past week, but the last week, uh, the head of the Providence City Council, Sabina Matos, she was a guest with Joe Paolino on his uh, Sunday morning program on Channel 6. I've heard now, it's actually the key people that had Paolino have her on, Kind of float her out there, see how she does, give her some experience in doing a full half hour. It was more of a conversation than an interview. But uh, are you hearing anything on the lieutenant governor position? It's also, it's kind of, I, I don't understand these people that are putting their name out like they think it's a drawing or an audition. I mean, it's some of the names that have made it there um, from a television weatherman to just some of the other people that I, I'm very, some of the Republican that ran for Congress. Why would you even put your name as if he's going to be selected? Um, I, it, it's not a lottery, like, you know, someone's going to get there, like, you think it's going to be a drawing, but any of you hearing anything or any of the thoughts on that? Well, the, I mean, I think there are two, two parts to this story. I mean, one is how it's becoming one of those quirky Rhode Island stories where the, the high school senior and the, the politician best known for wearing a hot dog suit. I mean, we're, we're getting yeah. those kind of folks coming out mainly because of that impression, like you can uh, apply for it there are no real qualifications. So, you know, whatever, uh, you get, get a headline and, and put the article on your wall, frame it, and you ran for Lieutenant governor or something like that. That's one story. The other though, I think goes back to some of what we were talking about with Raimondo and the identity politics. So some of the push is you must, you must appoint a woman because now the, now that with Raimondo yeah. gone, now the, the elected officials are imbalanced toward men, Good point. which is, you know, yeah. just that destructive identity politics as if that's, that's the reason to pick somebody for something. And that may be if, if, if his team was floating Matos, that might be wise just to try to find some way not to cross the progressives at this early stage. But I think who, to me, I'm, I, I don't, I don't have any insight into who he's going to pick I'm, but I'm mainly watching it as a, as an insight into which direction he may be going in the future and, and how, how much he's going to be willing to, to capitulate to the left. Yes. And I, I mean, to me, I look at it as strictly who is it that could help him win the Democrat primary September of, of next year, 2022. I mean, that's I don't see any other reason why you would pick someone that doesn't help you get to that goal, because uh, that's where his future begins and ends. Right. So if he cannot win that primary, his his political future is over. So I, I think um, I, I can't see where they they don't lean towards that. I think it is also interesting that remember, this would be appointed. So these are people who. They don't have maybe the infrastructure or the, if you want to say the guts to actually run for an office, but they want to be appointed to an office. It's a, it's a whole nother ballgame. Justin Katz, you have Providence still, they, they don't have a, the teachers, they don't have a, a contract. That's going to be one of the first things McKee will have to deal with somehow because the state took it over. But it is incredible. The scores are worse than they've ever been because of the pandemic. And yet you have uh, people like Senator Muriel and Goodwin, and in the state Senate where they've put uh, they're trying to full moratorium and trying to hold back any expansion of charter schools. If, if that is not example uh, to me, an example of just just the corruption of politics and, and just how, you know, no one being objective would ever make a move like that. It is it is the just the absolute definition of selfishness. It's politics. It's their own selfish agenda. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the state Senate trying to have like a moratorium on any new charter school? Well, I, I mean, it's how what how much clearer could it be? There's a new group out. Yeah. I, I, 
think they're called Stop the Wait Rhode Island, meaning yeah. meaning the, Stop the Wait for charter schools. That they've got something like ten thousand students applied for fewer than two thousand seats available last year. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Just it's an indication of the the problem and the fact that our our state government is is going so far to as talking moratoriums. I mean, on, on Ocean State Current, Mark Zakaria had a Rhodey Reporter segment where he, he pointed out that in the House, uh, the chairwoman of the Representative Kano of the committee, instead of going back and forth to supporters and opponents of the policy on the table, let the let the unions talk for like two hours before any parents got into it. And to have that kind of contempt, it's almost yeah. hard to see how people just aren't banging down the doors. I mean, it's time to, I, in some regards, it's time to stop playing nice with these people because they don't they don't yes. play nicely themselves. I mean, one of the things that struck me was um, Gary Sass's. Uh, Hassenfeld Institute Leadership Institute, which is proving to have a really terrible, inappropriate name. Uh, they had a kind of an informal roundtable uh, to talk about what to do about education and catch kids up. And they, it was it was so ludicrous because apart from Gary Sass and the Rhode Island Foundation, it was all uh, Rhode Island education insiders. There was nobody representing parents. There was nobody representing businesses. And their big thing was. We have to have all hands on deck to to help kids catch up to where they should have been before COVID. Well, all hands on deck means opening more charter schools if that's one thing that's going to work, not closing them down, not forcing everybody through the union funnel where they they can strangle any attempt. And as you as you you mentioned in Providence, the teachers don't have a contract. They're fighting over who's going to pay for what, how they're going to get back to school. Uh, there's a representative who, I think a representative who's a teacher in Providence who's complaining she didn't get paid because she took a couple weeks off because she had a close contact. I mean, if that's a personnel issue they can work out, but that shouldn't be the focus. I mean, the focus is kids, families. We've got to get them learning and back to school. And all hands on deck means giving them chances. And I don't see how much clearer it could be that our government does not serve the people of Rhode Island, but serves the special interests as chief among them, the teachers unions. Folks, he is the managing editor at OceanStateCurrent.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, great job. Stay safe. And Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, YankeeTreeService.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006 and also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today, 439-6028. 439-6028, whether it's tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, emergency service, bucket truck at service, and bobcat service. Since 2006, they've been performing tree removal service. On top of that, Nothing stumps. Yankee Tree Service, they provide stump grinding. Enjoy your landscape without the eyesore. As far as pruning, well, let them get up there. Oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down. At Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439 439- 6028 439 6028 if they have to they get right up there in the bucket yankee tree service since 2006 tree trimming experts give them a call 439 6028 or online at yankee tree service.com